If you can turn with me, please, in God's Word to Philippians chapter 2. Reach this part in our series, Philippians chapter 2. And we'll read verse 12 down to verse 16. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 down to verse um, 16. The Word of God says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I, ha- that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word. Today is a verse of scripture that maybe most preachers uh, would certainly bypass. Uh, maybe you may feel it's too negative uh, to bring on a Sunday or maybe any time. That's the benefit, the blessing of going through a book. Uh, you have these messages that we minister, but there's always lessons to learn in every thing, every word that God has given. So the Apostle Paul, in writing to the saints at Philippi, exhorted God's people to be like-minded as they served the Lord together. Already he has given wise counsel how to have, keep and enjoy unity and harmony within the church fellowship. Paul knows very well It doesn't take much for things to turn quickly sour, conversations to turn man-centered and be fueled by the flesh. Paul said in the book of Corinthians and Galatians, For a little leaven leaveneth the lump. Solomon said, The little foxes spoil the fine. Or as James made the description about the power of speech and the effect words can have on a group. Just as a large ship is controlled by a small uh, wheel, and you understand that illustration, it doesn't take much, something small, just to create a big scene. doesn't take much for one believer out of fellowship with God, walking in the flesh, and by conversation, co- uh, comments, to lead other believers off course. As Paul said to the churches at Galatia, Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the gospel? And therefore, as we look at Paul's letter, and as he's instructing God's people to have the mind of Christ and enjoy unity in the work of the Lord, he notifies them in verses 3 and 4, do nothing through strife or vain glory. But then Paul adds in verse 14, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. And here's the difference. The emphasis in verses 3 and 4 is do nothing with a prideful attitude in the work of God. Whereas verse 14, the emphasis is do nothing with a complaining attitude. In the work of God. So see the difference between the two. 
in verses 3 and 4, Paul is making the point, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. And so he's saying, do nothing with a prideful attitude in the work of God. But in verse 14, the emphasis is, do nothing with a complaining attitude in the work of God. Paul said, verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. The word murmurings means to grumble or to be a grumbler. And if you know one of the songs that Mr. McRae sings, it is grumbler. They grumble on a Monday, they grumble on a Tuesday, and to cut it short, they grumble the whole week long. And so that is the word uh, murmurings. It is to be a grumbler. It's to say anything in a low tone. It is an audible expression of dissatisfaction, an expression of one's discontent. And simply to put it, it's to complain to others quietly in groups of two or more because you are unhappy how things are are, or you're not getting your own way. And so you get a wee group together and you begin to complain and begin to put seeds in other people's mind just to get a response. And there's people like that. The word disputings, it means to weigh everything in. It's to consider what's been murmured. It's then to conclude that something that will suit self. In other words, having listened to all the murmurings, uh, conclusions are made because someone or some group of people didn't get their way. and Or so they murmur so they can get their own way. And so these sins of murmuring and disputing, they grow out of discontentment. We grumble and we dispute when things are not working out as we planned. And then what follows on from that is fault finding. And Paul's example uh, to do all things without murmuring and disputings are taken back to the Old Testament, to the children of Israel. And if you know, if you read the story or the life of the children of Israel, you read the book of Exodus, you see this highlighted Time and time again, they murmured, they disputed, they complained and complained and complained. One example, in Exodus chapter 14, at the Red Sea, whenever the children of Israel murmured and complained against Moses for the way in which he was leading them, he led them out of Egypt, and then they came to the Red Sea. Verses 9 and 10, they didn't like how things were going, The enemy was advancing after them. And if the truth be told, they didn't want to go forward. They didn't want to progress on. They wanted to keep things as they were before. In a sense, they didn't like change. And so they murmured. They disputed against Moses. Notice their murmurings in Exodus chapter 14 verse 11. And they said on to Moses. See their little group. They, they all got together. They said on to Moses. They began to murmur among themselves about the leadership in the work. And what did they say? Because there were no graves in Egypt, thou hast taken us away to die in the wilderness. Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? 
Instead of rejoicing that God brought them out. Instead of rejoicing that God heard their prayer and sent them a deliverer. Rather, they began to complain against the man God had sent them. They didn't like how Moses was leading them. And they would rather have things the way it was and go back to Egypt. Notice then their disputings. They didn't get their way to stay in Egypt. And so their solution is to go back to the way things were. Verse 12, is this not the word that we did tell thee in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. They would rather stay as Pharaoh's slaves than to enjoy the freedom and the liberty that they had been given. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. And we must never forget one thing, that Moses led them that way because God told him to. God guided. And therefore it's God's will for his people to keep on pressing on, to go forward in obedience. What did God tell Moses in verse 15 of Exodus 14? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Not stop, not go backward, not go sideward, but keep on going forward. Because God would make a way where there seemed to be no way. And there was much the Lord had for them. He was going to bless them and enlarge their coasts. Because God will always bless a people that press forward, that go forward, that get out of their comfort zones. And likewise, Paul here, as he's writing to the church at Philippi, he encourages them to go forward. And in his encouragement in God's work, he's saying, do all things without murmurings and disputings. You see, Paul's counsel in verse 14 still flows out of his instruction in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, that deals with living out the gospel growing in grace and as I said if we were to study uh, or as we are studying Paul's letter to the church at Philippi and as we're reading and dwelling and learning from Paul's wisdom Paul was a man guided by the Holy Spirit this was a message from the Lord to write to God's people at that day and also in our time because God's word is forever sure And there's a word for you today. There's a word for our hearts today. And that's why I made that point. It's good to study through books of the Bible. Because we would just bypass this word or this message today and just skip through it. And therefore, we would never learn anything. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so there is a word for you today, a word for this congregation today, a word for all our hearts. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, because we're only going to cover the first point today, and we'll get to the next point another time. Because Paul Gives them a reason why. Because it continues really on. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Why is that? Verse 15. That 
ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom ye shine as lights. Here's the whole point. For you to shine as lights in this dark world, for you to be a testimony of God's goodness and God's grace, then you have to do all things without murmurings and disputings. If you just murmur and complain all the time, what blessing are you going to be? What light are you shining forth? And therefore Paul's saying, before we can shine in this world, murmurings and disputings must be dealt with, must be put away. Do all things without murmurings, without grumbling, without disputing, complaining, backbiting, getting into wee groups. So you can be a light in a dark world. Because you live in a perverse and wicked generation who have no desire to go to church, who have no desire to be in God's house. But if they listen to you, do you give them that excuse? When you talk about this church that you attend, do people respond, you know what, I would love to come along to that church and uh, see what that people are like, to hear that message that's being taught. Or it says, well, thanks for the, thanks for the, the heads up, I know not to go there. Because I tell you this, there's churches you go into and you can tell it's a war zone. And there's people that you listen to that you can listen to them and it's a war zone. And therefore, Paul's saying, do all things without murmurings and disputings that ye may be blameless the sons of God. That you can shine as lights in this uh, crooked and perverse generation. And so what we do is we take these words that maybe seem negative. And we turn them into a positive. Because Paul's words is all about having the mind of Christ. And therefore these words find their highest fulfillment in the glorious person. And in the gospel ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he did all things without murmurings and disputings. He is the one who was spotless, blameless. He is the one who lived in this perverse generation, this crooked generation, this wicked generation. And yet as the light of the world, he shone forth. Christ, in the work that God gave him to do, did all things without murmurings and disputings. Wherever God led him, which was coming down from heaven to earth, as John 6 through 8, or wherever, whatever God sent him to do, as we find in Philippians chapter 2, to be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And whosoever God covenanted him to save, as we learn in Matthew 1 verse 21, his people from their sin. And whatever God called upon him to endure the hatred and slander of men, as John 7 verse 12, that there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. That's concerning Christ. For some said, he is a good man. Others said, nay, he deceiveth the people. He bore the shame of the cross, the wrath of God. Yet all these things he did without murmurings and disputings. That when he was reviled, he reviled it not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. He committed himself to him that judges righteously. And he has left us an example that we should follow his steps. Why should you do all things without murmurings and disputings in the work of God? Because your Savior did all things 
without murmurings and disputings. Death by the way of the cross was his delight to honour God, to save his people from their sin. And therefore he prayed in John 17 verse 4, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou givest me to do. And so, believer, it's only looking to Christ, learning from Christ, having the mind of Christ, will we be able to do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now, today we'll only look at the the first point, and I trust it will be practical to our hearts. And next time we'll look at the second point, which leads on in to verse 15. But notice, first of all, and the only point today, the command to do all things without murmurings and disputings. As you know, we like to dissect these words and look at their meaning. And I trust as you do take notes or you write notes on your Bible, uh, whatever that may be, that helps you in your Bible reading because then you can read them yourself and then you can uh, get the gist of these things. The command, Paul's words, do all things without are in present tense, meaning that this is a continual command. This is a duty to continually fulfill. This is a duty uh, not to neglect. Every single day, every single time, every single week, we're not to do all things. We're to do all things without murmurings and disputings. Continually do so. You're always on guard. We made this point on Wednesday night about the devil. As a roaring lion walketh about, seeketh whom he may devour. And the devil is just looking for that moment to pounce on. And therefore, we're making the point that we're always to be on guard every single time. Because you may meet a believer. You may be on fire for God. Here's the truth. You may be on fire for God. But you may meet a child of God who is not on fire with God. Who's not been praying, not been reading. And they may seem sour. And you may come as other people have done in years gone by in other churches that I've known. Oh, wasn't that a blessed word today? Well, really wasn't. Well, and they always have to find fault with something. Oh, God spoke to me today. Wasn't that great? I will, but you know, you know, and the devil's just ready to attack. And so Paul's saying, always be on guard. Always do things without murmurings and disputings. Let me give some practical help here. This is good pastoral theology. When you sense the door is opening for murmurings and disputings in the work of God, then close the door and keep closing it. When you see that the roller coaster of murmurings and disputings are about to take off, don't join the ride. Do all things without murmuring and disputings because it will harm you and it will harm the work of God. Don't allow the devil to work from within to hinder God's work. In fact, this word without, it is a wonderful phrase. It's actually good things uh, to feast on. The word without, if you read it there, do all things without murmurings and disputings. That word without means to separate from, means apart from, and also means to distance from. And therefore, that's the strength of the word. And so we could read it this way. Do all things distancing yourself, 
separating yourself from murmurings and disputings. Separate yourself from it. Remove yourself from it. Don't get involved. Don't join in. Someone wants to waffle on, let them waffle on on their own. But you remove yourself. You separate yourself. Because all they will do is bring you down or spread things like wildfire. In fact, Paul said to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, because knowing that they do gender strife. And so there's some within the work, sadly to say, that like just to, to stir up things. Like to say things just to get people up on a go. Some debate, some conversation, murmurings and disputings. And so Paul, as he writes to Timothy and says, Timothy, you'll have such in your congregation. And tell your people, and you learn yourself, foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Knowing that they do gender strifes. Part of growing in grace. Part of what we learned last week about working out your own salvation includes avoiding certain people, avoiding certain company, and avoiding certain conversations that do not glorify God. And therefore, Paul saying to the church at Philippi, do all things without murmurings and disputings. And when it takes place, separate yourself from it. Distance yourself from it. The word all things refers to your business, the affairs, the activities of the Christian life. But it also deals practically with the will of God in our lives. Because verse 13, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his own pleasure. And so God is working in and through your life, working according to his eternal purpose. And do you know this? The moment you were saved by grace, God is leading you. Even before that, providentially, God has been leading you. But from a Christian point of view, God has saved you for a purpose. And he orders yourself. There's things that God permits in your life that he doesn't permit in someone else's life, but he permits it in your life. There's places God leads you. People bring, God brings them into your path. The church that you attend, the pastor that you have, the place you live, the people you work, the people that you're around. All that's included in your personal life, your social life, your work life, your family life. All are a part of God's will for our life and for our growth in grace to be conformed to the image of Christ. Therefore, in all things, in all business, in all affairs concerning your life, in the course of your life, all that God is working out in your life, whatever he brings into your life, whatever he permits in your life, do all those things without murmurings and disputings. Don't complain about God's will in your life. Don't murmur where God has placed you to serve or the church that you attend or the thorn of the flesh that God has given you. Don't dispute with others about 
those whom God has given you to feed and care for. Rather, distance yourself from all who will murmur and dispute. Don't get involved. Don't join the group. Because complaining and murmuring, that belongs, or let me say it this way, it questions the secret things that belong to God. The way God leads you, God's sovereignty in your life, the way God does certain things, where he places you, all these things, God is working according to his own sovereign will. And therefore, to murmur, dispute about that, that is to go into the secret things of God, that's to hold accusation against God. Because God wants you to learn that his way is perfect. That's what he wants you to know, that his way is perfect. He does all things well. And when he leads you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he wants you to learn. But what he permits in your life, what he has for us tomorrow or the next day, we don't know, but that's his sovereign right and choice that he permits in our life. And therefore, whatever happens, we're not to complain or dispute. You see, by our fallen nature, we are quick to murmur and easy to complain and dispute. We get stuck in a certain frame of mind and it's just always something to complain about. Before I give you the biblical uh, example, let me give you uh, a work one uh, for those who are in work. I, in Northern Ireland, not in England, by the way, uh, there's a shop called Dunn's uh, in Northern Ireland, maybe all over Ireland, I suppose, but uh, it's called Dunn Stores. I used to, I used to work there. And, uh, and I had a great time there. I was able to move up certain circles with, with certain people. Uh, I remember the manager, and this is a lesson I learned. You young ones learn this as well when it comes to the business life as well. Remember, I was with the, the store manager. On this particular day, they had that the head of all the stores in Northern Ireland was coming to uh, the shop. I remember he just made this point to me. And he was getting everybody to do this and do this here. And he said, you know what, when this man comes, because everybody's on edge, you know, it's uh, the, the big man's coming down here to, to check out everything and the boss and all that there. And here's what the manager said to me one day. He said, you know what, Philip, see when this man comes and he walks in here, he's not going to, he's not, he, he doesn't tell me how good a job I'm doing. He doesn't turn around and tell me how good the figures are looking. He doesn't look and tell me how straight everything, everything looks. Do you know what he does? He comes and looks around and tells me, see that bit of dust? That needs cleaned. See that thing there, a bit of paper out of place? That needs moved. And those are the things he homes on. And what I'm saying is this. We can get into such a state of mind that we just negative all the time. We murmur, we complain. And Paul's saying, do all things without murmuring and complaining. Rather rejoice in the Lord. Because Paul will then later say, rejoice in the Lord. And that's where he starts chapter 3. Let me give you the biblical illustration. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It's in the Garden of Eden. God said, uh, The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate for him. And that word helpmate is one suited. And so the Lord made Adam, uh, this woman, a helpmate to him. And really, 
uh, you can go in different ways to, that, to illustrate that. You can say, one, uh, that's why Christians should only marry in the Lord. And if you are not dating, if you are a Christian and you're not dating, if you're dating someone who's not a Christian, then you ought to bring that to an end because God will not bless it. That's just what we say to the children in church sometimes. That's called 101. That's just basics. If you're a believer, dating an unbeliever has to come to an end because it's just not of the Lord. It's not a helpmeet. And I made this to the point with the young people when we spoke to them. Could you be able to say in your wedding day, I thank God that he has brought Jimmy into my life. Jimmy doesn't love the Lord. Jimmy despises coming to church. Jimmy has given me hassle, but I thank God for giving me Jimmy in my life. Is that what the Lord would really do for you? Is that the blessing God would have for you? Is that the help me God would have for you? And therefore we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So marry in the Lord. But in that marriage, there's also a help me. And so another illustration is this. If you want to be a missionary, uh, say, we'll just take that, you want to be a missionary, and um, the person that you're going to marry is a Christian, nothing wrong with that, but they don't want to be a missionary, then you'd before have to go before the Lord, and that would have to end. And you say, why? Because God has provided you a helpmeet, one to help you serve in the Lord. And so if you're called to go to a different country to serve the Lord, but this one who you're thinking of marrying has no interest in going, then they're not going to be a help. They're going to be a hindrance. And so the whole point is this. God, when he created Adam, was to be a help meet. One suited for Adam. To serve the Lord with, to glorify God with, to enjoy God with. And that's one-on-one marriage. That's why you want to marry in the Lord. One suited to worship God with, coming to God's house with. However, we learn that whenever sin entered into the world, Adam begins to murmur. And Adam begins to dispute to God about God's ways, about God's wisdom in giving him Eve. Genesis 3, verse 12, The woman whom thou gavest me to be with me, she gave me off the tree, and I did eat. And so Adam begins to blame God, begins to blame the woman uh, for all the things that has happened. And from that time, the fall of man, were prone to murmuring and prone to disputing. And so Paul's words is this, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Again, goes back in closing to the Old Testament. You read Exodus chapter 13 through 17, where Paul takes all these illustrations from. And again, he goes back to the children of Israel, how God led them, how God used Moses. And we learn this here, that an attack on when a believer murmurs again, I want you to grasp this. Here's another practical one. When you murmur and complain about another believer, whoever it may be, you yourself are complaining against the Lord. Now, you may not see it that way, but that is the scriptural teaching. You murmur and complain and say horrible things about someone else. You're murmuring against the Lord. Again, you take the illustration Whenever Paul was saved and he persecuted God's people, what did the Lord say? Why persecutest thou me? 
Because whenever he persecuted God's people, it was an attack on the Lord himself. Well, let me give you another illustration. Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, uh, 12 through 14. Whenever God led the children of Israel, he brought them out of bondage. Notice chapter 15, verse 24. The people murmured against Moses. What shall we drink? You brought us Moses now. What shall we drink? Chapter 16, verse 2. The whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Verse 7. In the morning, when ye shall see the glory of the Lord, he that heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And notice those words. He that heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And so they murmured against Moses. They murmured against Aaron. They complained about one another. They weren't happy of how things were going. And in all their murmuring, it came up against the Lord. Again, chapter 16, they murmured about the provision of bread. And chapter 17, about the provision of water. Numbers 21, verse 4. They were discouraged how God was leading them. Verse 5, they, notice this, they speak against God. They speak against God and against Moses. There's no bread, neither any water. Numbers 11, verse 1, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. Now that is solemn, and that is searching. They failed to see the Lord was teaching them that he is the bread of heaven. He is the water of life. He is the one who meets the needs. He is the one who hears and answers prayer. He is the one who's faithful. <clears throat> they never lacked anything. They were in bondage. They cried for a deliverer and God sent them a deliverer. They were under bondage and God freed them. And so many things to be thankful for. Yet day by day, place by place, they complain. There's no water. Ugh, bread. Not happy. And the point is, it came up before the Lord. And therefore, that's the lesson to learn. Paul saying, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Have the mind of Christ who humbled himself and became obedient because your Savior did not murmur or complain about his Father. He did not complain about the work he was given to do. And he endured the sorrows and the shame and the suffering of the cross in order to save his people from their sin. And so here's the whole point. <clears throat> the cure for murmuring and disputing is to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, to have his mind. And only then will, be, will we be able to shine as lights in this crooked and perverse generation, in this world, shining all the time for him. And therefore, child of God, we pray as we go through this book, that will always be a lesson to us. <clears throat> and I don't understand suggestions. People talk about suggestions. That's one thing. 
But we're talking about murmuring and complaining. Seeking to cause trouble. Seeking to get in there to cause division. And that's what Paul's saying. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Separate yourself from it. Don't get involved in it. So you can be blameless and harmless. The sons of God and the shiners lights in this perverse and crooked generation. Are you saved today by the grace of God? Are you redeemed by precious blood? Maybe there's someone here today you're not saved. You're, you're not a Christian. And therefore you must learn that the Lord Jesus Christ is the great provider, the great sustainer, and the only saviour of sinners. Child of God, I pray that this word will challenge our hearts because this is all a part of growing in grace, going on with God, things that we need to learn to put in and things that we need to learn to remove out in order to glorify God for his name's sake. Amen.